Hello, welcome to episode 65 of the Crochet Circle podcast. I am waving. Hello, Crochet Clan. How are you all doing? I hope you're well. It's, um, I'm kind of late in recording because it was blowing an absolute hooli yesterday. And so I thought I'll just hold off because it was really windy and there was hailstorms and it was chucking it down and it just that leads to a lot of extra noise that we don't want. And um, then this morning it was lovely. I've <laughs> just had hailstorms again. Luckily the wind isn't as bad, but I was like, okay, I'm just gonna have to podcast, otherwise you're not getting a podcast. So um sorry, that is Pomeroy coming in. He's just been outside. Do you hear the cat flap? You can come and say hello? No. Are you coming? Come on, come and say hello. Come on, pod kitten. Hello, you. He's not very impressed with um, the weather <laughs> because, you know, there's a whole outside to be had and he's not getting out into it. He'll probably skedaddle in a minute. So, hello, welcome in. Welcome to me. How has that happened? How are we in May? Just don't really know where 2021 is going to. Um, although we have new neighbours at our new house, we um, have a field at the back of the house and I knew when, when we were viewing this property, the people that we bought it from said that um, roughly in April, May time we get cows in at the back of the field and um, they arrived on Thursday. They're actually Starks, which are like Bullocks. We'd call them Starks in Scotland. And um, I saw the cattle truck turn up as I was coming back home and I was just like, I was giddy, clapping my hands that the cows are in the field. And I saw them get out of the truck and start like gallivanting around the field. And um, yeah, it's just really nice to see them. Tom is swishing his tail at me. Just stop that. Um, and they are just full of energy and joy. And I love them. And they are just, they are joy bringers. They're just incredible. The other night I saw them. <laughs> there were two geese in the field that for some reason they couldn't get up and fly with it. They didn't have the energy, I don't know what. But... <laughs> The Starks were chasing the geese around the field. I felt really badly for the, the geese, but the Starks were having the time of their lives uh, chasing these poor birds round and round the field. They weren't, like, it was probably menacing to the geese. They weren't going to do anything to them, but um, it was very funny to watch. I was up in our bedroom window out for about 10 minutes. They were just chasing round and round. Like, for those of you who are watching, you've just got Pom's face right in the camera. Are you enjoying this? Right, settle down. And now is Bum. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Be a bum away. Disgusting beast. So, yeah, we have new neighbours and they are just, they're so much fun. I'll pop some photos in the show notes um, because I got a cracking photo of one of them really up close and they're very inquisitive. And they quite like the fence and the gate at the back of ours because they can rub their necks along it and get a good old scritchy scratch across the fence. So it's really nice to have them here. And I suspect they'll be here until probably September, October time, maybe a bit longer. Um, yeah, just <laughs> nice to see some farming activity going on outside at our back door. We, I'm like, I'm a countryside girl and um, done bits and pieces on farms throughout my life. The college I went to for five years, to both of them, they were both agricultural colleges, so like the whole farming system is in my, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA, and I just really enjoy it. Oh my God, there's a cat, there's a Matthew. Could you not make any more noise? Oh. Hello, cat. Can I walk across here? <laughs> can I walk across I will give you a freaking Glasgow kiss. Get away. Can you take him with you? Yes. Come on, cat. We're not wanted here. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not wanted. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bog off. 
Okay. It's clearly Grand Central Station around here. Um, that's, that just put me right off. Right, now they have gone, let's get on with the podcast. Um, uh, what, like, I'm going to be truthful with you here. I'm feeling a level of overwhelm at the moment, which means that I'm kind of probably not on my A-game with Instagram and Mighty Networks. I feel like I managed to keep my crap together throughout all of the major lockdown, throughout the house sale and the house move and everything else and the temporary accommodation. And now everything is just kind of hitting me. I've got loads and loads of deadlines to work to. And there is just so much work to do at the moment. So um, apologies if I'm not around as much at the moment, but it, like it's for the sake of my own sanity and just doing the bits that I can do, that I really have to do, and then coming back to other bits as and when I can. Um, but, like I know I get indicators with my body, so I'll get tongue ulcers and... Um, like I just, I just feel it. I start biting my nails again, which is bad. And when, when I've got those indicators, I know that I'm doing too much, and I need to just look after myself a little bit. So that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. A little bit of self-preservation, and I know that you will all understand because, like, nobody should work on to the point of breaking, and I certainly don't want that to be the case. So. If I'm not about as much, it's just because like I've reached my my level and I can't do much more. So I'm just taking things a little bit steadier as and when I can. Um, right, let's crack on with actual podcast. So I have a very quick old dog new tricks for you. And um, I didn't have one for this month. And then when I was taking photos of some of my swatches, I... Um, remembered a little trick that I don't think I told you before. How often do you go to your project bag to a work in, pro in progress you maybe haven't used for a while and you've taken the hook out of it and you can't remember what the hook size is? I do it all the time, like a ridiculous amount of time. So my old old new tricks is generally most people have got a camera on their phones and your phones are usually right beside you. So when you start off a new project, take a photo of either your swatch or the yarn that you're using with the crochet hook um, with the crochet hook number up and visible and take a real close up and make sure that you can see the crochet hook number on it. That way, when you go back through your camera, because like whoever deletes photos off the camera you only do that at the point where you really have to um, so and the way that phone memories are now that you can hold so many photos that means you then have a kind of permanent ish record in your phone to hand easily accessible for what hook size you're using for that specific project and the yarn is a really good memory jogger for that when you see like visually when you see the um, yarn you'll quickly recognise that that was your project and you will have a quick photo reference of your hook size. I mean, obviously you could always write it down too, but I can't tell you how many designs I have done and forgotten to write the hook size down. Less so now because I'm kind of learning my lesson and now I put it in all the places, but I also take a photo of them so I remember that way. Quick tip. Um, so... Let's show you some on routes. I, as I said, um, like there's been a level of overwhelm, but also I've been working on a monster project. I've got two designs that are coming out next month um, in collaboration with somebody. And once I finish this podcast, because I've sat over there, I just can't show you yet, but I'm going to do a little bit of recording. So, present fee is going to appear next month's podcast as past fee and I will be showing you off those two projects but I have to quickly record a little bit of stuff for them, parcel them up and send them off to the yarn company that I've been working with. No surprises, it's John Arvin Textiles. Um, but it's all for their mill open weekend next month. So I will show you that in all its glory next month and let you see what I've been up to. 
So that's been a bit of a whopper and that's taken up a lot of my crochet time. However, oops, sorry about that. Last, night before last, I finally managed to get some time into my Clean Lines shawl by Anna Nikopedowitz. And I've kind of been putting this one off because I needed the brain capacity to really put effort into it. Now, I've never done mosaic crochet before and that's why. So it's a new to me technique. It's one that you really need to think about, especially while you're getting into the technique and understanding which row you're working into, what the three squares mean, what one square means, but it's a really enjoyable technique. So I hope I am not putting you off it, but I finally got my, my little brain around it, finally worked out how I'm doing it and how it works. And now, now it's in my head, so I'll get a lot quicker. But I literally had to go and sit. I actually went to bed to crochet, it was cold. And um, I was just feeling a bit out of it. And I knew that I wanted to move this along for this podcast. And so I went to bed, put on some ultimate trash TV that, you know, the kind of TV that you don't really care if you're listening to it or not. But if you pick up bits every now and then, then that's fine. It was Married at First Sight Australia, which is just total trash and I love it. So I had that on the tablet. I was working away on this and counting rows and counting stitches all the time to make sure it worked. So what I'm showing up probably doesn't show that much mosaic, but you maybe have got the basics of I've only done nine rows at the moment in the actual mosaic work of this shawl. It's going to be an asymmetric triangle and I am using a lace weight one ply yarn, which is Einband, which is an Icelandic yarn. So it's really quite, it's quite woolly. Um, and that makes for quite a different shawl from the one that Anna designed because hers, I think, uses Malabrigo, so much more standard yarn where the stitches just sit there. So as I was going through it, I was like, maybe I made the wrong yarn choice. But actually, what I think is that um, this will come into its own when I wash and block it and open it out. Because the lace weight with a big hook size, and I know that this yarn really softens when you wash it and weight it. So I'm fairly confident that it's going to come good. And I'm also really confident that when I add more of the mosaic crochet in you'll start to see the pattern really work well so like I have high hopes for this and I just love so the main color that I'm using it's called dark heather grey I think I've added all the links and the shade numbers into the show notes and then I'm contrasting that with this kind of acidic yellow green color and I just these two color combinations I I love and adore and so I just need to get my head down and crack on with this doing this shawl reminds me of I did I knitted twice like glutton for punishment a really intense cabled shawl I made one for me and, me and I made one for a friend and that was a project where I literally sat at the dining table for hours on end didn't have any music on didn't have TV on, didn't have any of that on, and I just sat and worked through the lace charts. It was so intense. Um, and this is nowhere near as bad as that. So please don't, I hope I'm not putting you off mosaic crochet as a technique. It's a really interesting way of getting colour work into your crochet. It's really quite different from tapestry crochet. So the way that this works is I'm doing two rows in one colour and then two rows in the next, and you come over the front of your work and work into an unworked stitch to create like an overlay, like almost like a front po tra front post crochet. It's not front post, but it's a similar idea where you're bringing the colour over and down, and that's what builds up the pattern in the two colours. You can do multiple colour um, mosaic crochet. I think that would just bend my brain a little too much at the moment. Um, so I am, I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't say I'm really enjoying this, this is not the pattern, it's because I'm learning a new technique. You know, 
you know how it is when you're just trying to get something into your brain um, and so I know this is, this is going to be enjoyable and I'm really looking forward to the finished project um, but at the moment I am on row going on to row 10 of 59 I think 57 maybe of section 1 and then there's an even bigger second section so I have my work cut out but I'm fairly sure that when I've done the first mosaic section I will just be in love with the technique and um, I'll be away and it'll be fine but this means that this is probably not one that I can just do on a monogamous basis because a bit too brain bendy so I have started another project as well so let me pop my clean lines away and I will have more to show on that next month but the um, the use of the heavy lace weight the one that I'm using is 250 meters per 50 grams um, makes for a really light and airy shawl and because I'm using a 3.5 millimeter hook for the standard sections and then you move up a hook size for the mosaic to um, keep it quite open um, it's it's actually it's really nice and loose weight and it doesn't feel like you're working with loose weight I guess is the point I'm trying to make so clean lines has had some work put into it so my next en route is a little bit different in November of this year the um, climate change conference is on in Glasgow at the SECC I believe and um, it's called COP26, COP26. And I found out about this through longtime crochet planner um, Tamara. She um, got um, into a group, or she became part of a group, which is called Stitches for Survival. And basically, what they want to do is create a 1.5 mile banner that will be in sections. It will it's basically like a very big scarf that will actually go to Glasgow and be used to um, message for further work to be done for climate. And um, what they're hoping is that people will make these sections, they need to be um, one metre, so 100 centimetres wide and 60 centimetres tall, and they will all be sewn together on their 60 centimetre um, side and in about kind of 20 metre sections, something like that. And the idea is that people can then use them to um, create local craftivism when they're making their actual pieces of fabric themselves and also that they might get together as a group and maybe stitch publicly within COVID restrictions together to get the message out there and that it might hit local press, that it might hit national press and then the entire thing will be pieced together hopefully 1.5 miles long for Glasgow um, in November and it will be used as a piece of kind of mass craftivism and the reason they're going for 1.5 miles is because that represents the 1.5 degree um, target, clim um, climate change target that was signed up for in the Paris Agreement back in 2015. I've added links into all of this in the show notes including the Facebook group for Stitches for Survival and there's also um, a link to a Q&A PDF in there for the Stitches for Survival and what it is that they are looking for. So basically I have started, I started it last night so I haven't got that much in, but I'm making just a big, big long um, piece of crochet that will become a fabric that will be 100 centimetres by 60 centimetres and um, what I was wondering is would anybody like to join me um, does anybody else fancy making fabric that I don't mind then receiving at my house and I don't mind stitching together as a crochet clan part of the stitches for survival um, scarf that will head up to Glasgow. I think it would be wonderful if anybody wanted to join me. I would love to have a nice crochet clan banner. I'm willing to accept the fabric pieces from anybody globally. That would just be amazing if like the global aspect of this podcast could be brought together for um for Glasgow for November. I would love that. Um 
If you do, go and take to the show notes and tell me uh, and basically have a look at what it is that is required. You need blue and green yarn, but equally you could weave, crochet, knit, quilt. It's craft in general. It doesn't have to be crochet, it doesn't have to be knit, whatever you can use. But the basis is that it is green and blue to represent the earth and um, the fact that we need to protect the earth. You can add messages onto your fabric if you like. So that could be um, using lettering. You could also um, put flowers on it, put bees on it, put fish on it, do whatever you want that gets your message across. Now, what makes me particularly happy about this couple of things is one, ideally you'd be working from stash yarns. So this isn't about creating additional environmental impact and going out and buying yarn. Um, so go to your stash and if you don't have anything in stash, then the other suggestion is that you take to your charity shop and again you're reusing something that is already out there rather than going out and buying new. Same with fabrics, whatever it is you might be using. The idea is that the different sections can then be um, unthreaded and re-sewn to make blankets that will go out for um, charitable use. Uh, and any that have got particularly poignant messaging on them about climate actually are going to be reserved, used for an exhibition and used for further craftivism. So I'm, I really like the ethos behind this and I just, I think it's a great idea and um, I, it was just something that I wanted to get behind. So I went to my stash and I found loads of different yarns in um, in greens and, and blues. So the first, the one that I'm working up at the moment is actually like a linen wool mix, I think. I bought this stuff on eBay years ago when I first started and it was a proper old, right old random mix of colours. I do have some kind of um, warm terracotta colours upstairs but they're not going to work for the, the premise of the um, craftivism 1.5 uh, miles that they're pulling together and so I can maybe get two different bits of fabric out of this um, and I just started last night, pulled the two of them together and so I've got two strands and I'm using two strands of different colours so I'm going to get this nice marled effect going through the blanket from the greens into, I've got like a more tealy blue into a midnight blue and these are all tweedy as well so they're little flecks of different bits of colour and then into a more kind of stormy sky colour um, blue as well. So I've started off with greens thinking that that might go from land up into sky, that was my thinking. And the two together, they are four ply so when I'm holding them I'm using a 5.5mm hook so it's really quick to work up as well. And I am slash busting because I honestly don't know what else I was going to do with this. So I will happily work through this and make as many fabric pieces as I can. But for now, all I can show you is a length that is about a metre long. And oh, if, oh, if I'm lucky, about three centimetres wide. <laughs> so I really haven't got very far into it. Um, but oh, I'm loving that it's coming from my stash and that I've got something that is going to be used for craftivism and will later become a blanket to actually help people that um, need to be kept warm, frankly. Um, yeah, so that's the first one. I, like I say, I think I'll probably get a couple of um, fabric pieces out of that one. And then I also found some, I mean, this is luxurious, so, I don't mind that, like I didn't pay a lot of money for this. I think I got these for a pound each in the John Lewis sale. Um, so I have got three different colours, again in blues and greens, of Rowan Opaca colour. It's a really beautiful yarn. And it is, what is it? Is it all alpaca? It might just be, yes, yeah, 100% baby alpaca. So it's soft as anything. And I've got basically a load of skeins that are a tealy sky colour and I've got one skein which is quite a um, quite an acidic green colour 
and a darker blue. And what I was thinking I might be able to do with this, with a bit of clever crocheting, um, is use the skein of dark blue like it's the sea at the bottom or a loch, like very Scottish, and then use the green at the top to make a hill and then use all of the um, sky colour for guess what sky and I'll be able to make a fabric swatch that then looks like Lake Hills sky and that on top of that I might be able to do a bit of um, felting and add flowers um, so like needle felting on top of that to add flowers and little bits of interest to so really build it up as like a landscape scene that's what I was thinking because you know I think that would look quite nice and it's nice messaging there about um, protecting the landscape and um, protecting um, our countryside basically. So that is another panel that I will be doing for Stitches for Survival. Okay so I'm doing this again because my new camera has just stopped working so I've had to change tech. So hopefully you can see me and hear me and all is just going to go swimmingly from now on in. Some podcasts are what I would call a difficult birth. Last month's was a difficult birth. It would appear I'm having twins. With like a month in between the twins. Some of them just go really smoothly. This one, just not so much. Final destination, finished objects. There isn't that much because overwhelm and blankets kind of took it out of me, but when my brain gets really like, <laughs> when there's just too much coming in at it, one of the projects that I always turn to is actually knitted socks because I just don't, I know the pattern inside out, I know the sock sizes, I know how many stitches and I just don't have to think about anything, I find them really easy and relaxing and I can just let my mind wander to other places. So I've done a couple of pairs this month, um, partly because of overwhelm and partly because when um, I looked in Matthew's sock drawer he only had just maybe three pairs of hand-knitted socks from me and I felt a bit sorry because I have so many pairs to choose from every day and he really likes his hand-knitted socks, especially um, like on the colder days and when he's off hill walking he'll take to his hand knits. So I made him two pairs and the first that I'm showing is um, a striped sock yarn with that little bit of kind of mock feral in it. The wool is by a German company called Grundle. I really like their wool. I don't know what it is but the German sock wools just seem to be really really good. Um, Grundle is G-R-U-N-D-L and they've got two varieties I think. One is called Hot Socks and this one is Hot Socks Pearl and the pearl alludes to the fact that it's got 5% cashmere in it. I can tell you Matthew nearly didn't get these because they are so soft and um, I really like the colours. So they are like um, a limey green, a tealy green and a more um, kind of grassy green in stripes with a little mock feral band every now and then in a kind of dirty blue and a denim blue. And apparently Matthew loves green socks so that's just what he's getting. So he's got two of them, finished them both. But like I say, they are so soft with that little, just 5% of cashmere. They are so nice. Um, so yeah, I actually went looking for these today and unbeknownst to me, I had already put them in my sock drawer, not in Matthew's. I think my brain, they're actually mine already, but no. I will put them back in his sock drawer and he can he can have them. Um, so I've added links to that yarn in the show notes in case you wanted to try the Grundle sock yarn for crochet or for knitting. I really liked it and I've got enough left that I'm going to make some little tiny humans in my life, some little Christmas socks. So Matthew's second pair of socks, also green, and um, he actually chose this colourway way back over two years ago now. I got this from Unravel Festival which was 
February 2019. Um, and it is a yarn which is by Helen at The Wool Kitchen. And the colourway is called Frida Carlo. And it is a kind of jade green with what I think Helen refers to as zips of colour. So there's quite a lot of jade green. And then you'll get a series of stitches, maybe like um, 15 stitches. And it's going through um, a bright green, a yellowy green, an orange into a pink, into a purpley, and back into orange, back out to the green. So you get that every now and then going through the socks. So it doesn't look too busy, but um, it's enough that there's just a little bit of uh, like highlighter luminous interest in the socks. So, um, yeah, Matthew, he's not been allowed to wear this pair because I, I got them finished just a few days ago. So they've been sat on the side so I could show them nicely on the sock blockers. Um, so these can now also hit his um, his sock drawer. I was thinking that I was a bit late in the day in making him hand-knitted socks because we're in May. But frankly, we've just had another heel shower whilst I was dealing with camera issues. Um, so yeah, all the woolies on basically. So probably really well-timed socks I would say. So let's talk hive. Um, I have been working on my swatches for the four bags this month. Um, so this is a four bag collection that I've been talking about in the podcast, really talking you through my design process. I was finally at the bit where I could start swatching and so I've worked on all four of them um, and I can show you how they're working up today. So. 15 centimetre swatch is done for the strata bag. I'm using a chunky yarn for that. For all of the um, bag designs that I'm working on, I'm using yarns that come in 50 gram hanks. And that's so that if it goes like just over and I only need 25 grams of another, let's say I need 225 grams for a bag, it means that you actually only have to buy 250 rather than 300 grams. So been very conscious about the yarns I'm buying for this project because you don't need the same as a jumper's quantity um, but trying to make sure that if they're available in 50 gram balls hanks then that will work for the for the project and you're not wasting your money and you don't have loads of yarn left over. So the first one Strata has got um, it's aptly named because the texture of the um, swatch has got these really nice lines in it. Um, I developed this kind of stitch pattern and used it partly in a blanket and I really like it. The wool that I'm using is a chunky and it's a new to me yarn and it is by the most awkwardly named company. It, I think it is Inuio. So it's I-I-N-O-U-I-I-O and um, their whole premise is the recycle fibres and make them into yarn. So this one is 97% wool, 3% of the fibres and 80% of it is recycled and it's manufactured in Yorkshire and England. Um, I like the company Ethos, this is the first time I have tried it. I got this from You Imply and they do a chunky and I think they also do a double knitting as well. Really nice to work with and you would maybe think recycled fibres and think it would be a bit crunchy and a bit harsh it's actually really nice and soft and as you can see i've used quite a small hook for it so i've got quite a nice dense fabric that's got just a bit of stretch but this is going to be quite a big bag so i want it to like stay put i don't want it to move when um, when you put stuff in it like you don't want things like your purse poking out through it so Pretty chuffed with this one. I think this is the first one that I'm going to work up into a full bag. And I think my plan is to get them all ready and then release them all as a collection and individual patterns rather than do them one by one. But we'll see. I might do it the other way and then you get a discount if you buy all four or something. I'll work something out. Um, but this will be the first one that I will actually be working on. So that is... a. Uh, dark denim blue colour and because it's got the flex of the different fibres in it it almost gives it like a little bit of a dark stone wash effect to it 
they've got a nice range of colours um, in Uyo and um, I've added links into the show notes to, I think to you implied because that was where I bought it from. Um, but again, 50 gram, 50 gram um, balls of yarn, so perfect for bag designs. So that's number one, Strata. Number two is going to be called Swell. And this is one that's going to start with um, a dark teal colour and come up to lighter teal greeny blues and then up into a cream. And the whole idea is that it's like um, it's like the swell of a wave. So you've got the kind of the foamy, frothy, creamy white bit going down into the depths of the sea. And this one I have done in a double crochet and I tried it two ways. I tried it in rounds to begin with, sorry, in rows to begin with, and then I moved over two rounds to see what that did to the density of the fabric uh, using the same hook size, and the density of the fabric is much greater in rounds. So I know that this is one that I want to build up in rounds, so it's got the structure for that bag um, rather than rows. I also, I think I prefer the way that double crochet looks in rounds to rows because the lines are smaller um, in between each round and it just feels a bit more compact. It feels a bit neater, which I, I like. So that will be a striped bag, really quite a simple one, but I think I'm, it's going to have some increases introduced to it. So it will actually come up and out a bit like a kind of old fashioned shopper bag. That's what I'm going for, but giving it a neat twist and little handles or maybe some big sewn on like used belt handles or something. Um, and that's one of the other things that I need to kind of get my head around for maybe next month is um, what straps and handles do I want, where am I going to get them from, is there any way that I can reuse like old belts or something um, that we could get in the charity shop or like, I just need to think about how that will work with the bag designs. So that one doesn't look like much because it is literally a little swatch of rows and rounds of double crochet. But I got really good information out of that on what I preferred. So it was helpful to have the swatch um, side by side from rows going into rounds. It was a good, it was a good test out for me. And then the next one that I haven't finished, but I'm kind of part of the way through is for the hive bag. I cannot tell you how many times this has been frogged, reworked, frogged, reworked, frogged, reworked, because I'm trying to get like this honeycomb effect into the stitches using little puff stitches in and against, I think it was double crochets, I think so, maybe extended doubles. And I finally got there. It needs neatening up and I, I've reworked the pattern since but I just didn't have it in me to frog it out again because I just I just couldn't. But basically using the puff stitches I'm able to bring this really nice relief pattern into the bag to, um, to create these little puffs. And uh, yes, I'm pleased about this because this was the one that I thought was going to be the hardest. And to be honest, it pretty much has. It, it was not easy to get the right stitch heights and to get the right um, number of chains on the loop for the puffs. And whether I did it in the round or did it in rows, I've literally tried everything with this to get it right. But I have now finally got there, I think. And whilst it might not look like much now, because it's been worked and reworked, um, it's going to look really good, I promise. I'm very excited about this one because I just think it's a little bit different. Like that's what I'm hoping with all of these bags is that they won't be like the usual crochet bags that you find. You get a lot of granny square crochet bags and stuff and that's really not, not my cup of tea. So I'm looking for something that's just structurally different. I want to make something that's got like a degree of elegance to it, some of them that are just a bit more contemporary and that don't look like all the other crochet bags that are out there on the marketplace um, for patterns. So I'm very excited about Hive because I just it's I just think it's gonna work. But I need to do a bit more sampling on that one. 
And then the final one is called Morse and the colours on this. I knew they were going to work together, but it was only when I started um, like crocheting them together, I was like, this is really going to work. So it is a deep raspberry pinky purple and a very, very bright, almost luminous yellow. And this is, I think, Bell Heather and Odmodod from John Arbon Textiles and um, Exmoor Salt Range. And they just play so well together. And the concept with this one is that it's like kind of like Morse code and it's a series of dots and dashes. And what I wanted to do with this was find a way of doing colour work that would give me a really neat line without all of the legs, which without um, the kind of extra little bits of colour poking through that you can get with tapestry crochet sometimes. And I have cracked it. It's a different technique. I haven't seen anybody else use it before. I'm not saying it's a new technique. I just haven't seen it in a pattern before. But I've managed to create lines of crochet in the contrast colour that give you a V along the line and give you a really crisp, clean um, colour change. Really excited about this because another this is another one that I was just like, frog, start again, frog, start again, try that technique, that didn't work. And that's what a lot of designing is about. It's a lot of it is ripping out and starting again. I've been on WhatsApp today with another design buddy and she's doing this. I know that she's working on a square. Hi, Michelle. And I know that she's ripped it out, gone again, ripped it out. And she's like, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this. And that is, that is what a lot of design is. It's not very often that you put a hook to your yarn and what you have in your mind comes out first time. There's a lot of frogging back, there's a lot of redoing, and sometimes there's just a lot of shelving a project because what you have in your brain just cannot be done in yarn, like ever, or you just don't have the techniques to do it yet. So excited for this Morse bag because one, the colours, I love them, and also the technique is quite different, and I just love how crisp that pop of yellow is as a as a bit of like more dot dash i even looked up because you know there's often that thing where you've got somebody somebody go oh that's a nice knitted thing you're like it's crochet i wondered whether i could add some uh, morse on the bottom of the bag so if somebody said that you can literally flip it and it would say in morse it's crochet on the bottom of the bag <laughs> that might just be too much but that was a um, that was one thought I had. I maybe had had two gin and tonics at that time and I... <laughs> it won't happen. But I liked the idea of it. So these swatches are now all ready for me to um, like plug all the numbers into Excel. And that will allow me to work out how big the bag could be, how many rows I need, rounds I need, how many stitches I would have and um, what the overall size of the bag would look like and then I can work on how I do the construction for them because one of the things I want to do with these bags is have quite different construction for each of them so that if you buy them as a collection you are getting four different ways of making bags so you're learning lots of techniques and also hopefully what it means is that you could then take that on and make changes to the designs yourself and just like do your own thing with them too, which I, I quite like that idea. I like the idea of people making my designs their own. I'm not one of these designers that gets precious about uh, people kind of going off piece, like do whatever you want. It's, once you bought the pattern, it's in your hands to be as creative as you like. So, yeah, I don't know what I'll have done by next month for Hive, but I'm really excited about every single one of the bags. Um, so that's always a good sign. When you're excited about a design, um, then, yeah, it, it gives you the impetus to keep on going with things. So we're on to quick news beats, because I didn't have any feeling in the habit. There was 
no yarn passed over this threshold and actually I gave some away to the charity shop. Ah, my halo was shining. Um, yeah, there was just some yarns that I was never going to use, so they have gone. And I'm on a bit of a like use the top um, thing at the moment. So, quick news beats. The next global hookup is on Saturday the 15th of May at 8 o'clock. That's BST. And then on Sunday the 16th at 9am BST. Um, all the details are in the show notes and they are also in Mighty Networks. If you haven't come and joined us over in Mighty Networks, please do. It's called Crochet Clan. It might take me a couple of days if you... I don't know how or why. Some people can get in straight away. Other people have to wait for me to accept them as a member. I don't know the rhyme or reason behind it. Um, so, like, don't be disheartened if it takes me a couple of days. It just means that I'm flat out with other things. And I will get into Mighty Networks as soon as I can. Um... So, yeah, normally I would have been there a lot more, but just life. <laughs> um, so, the next thing to tell you about is that the next Hive session is going to be on the 22nd of May at 3pm. We've had two sessions there, and they've been really good. The last one was on pattern sales platforms, and this next one is going to be on tech editing and so I've asked my lovely tech editor and friend Deb from Find Me Knitting to come and join us. So we're going to sit and have a chat about tech editing, how we work together. And you can ask Deb any questions, you can ask me any questions. So all about tech editing on the 22nd of May. And then we've already kind of programmed in what the next load of topics will be. The one after that is on photography, um, which I will probably just run on my own um, and take you through some of the techniques and what it is that I do to photograph my work. So uh, yeah, that and that will be a month after. Um, so my final bit is J'adore and a little bit different this time because um, it's just been film awards season, just had the Oscars and Matthew and I are massive film fans like Every Friday night, we listen to the Empire podcast, film podcast. That's what we do. That's our thing. It's like our little Friday night routine. And uh, we just really love films. And when it comes to like, award season, we quite like to watch as many of the films that have been nominated as possible. So I have three for you that I highly recommend. And they're all quite different. The first one is animated and it's called Wolf Walkers and it's by um, it's a film by Cartoon Saloon who are actually based out of Ireland so they're an animation house in Ireland which is quite unusual and they are smashing it. They've had four films and all four all four have been Oscar nominated and Wolf Walkers is just brilliantly done. Um, if you haven't seen any of their stuff well worth watching. My particular favourite is called Song of the Sea. It's it's just beautiful. The animation style is gorgeous. But they also have, you know, they don't shy away from some big topics like, um, you know, death. Wolfwalkers is an interesting one <laughs> um, because it's about Cromwell coming over to Ireland. So it's um, political, but it's told around the story of... Um, like a mythical wolf and a, a, a kind of a, a set of humans that can be that can become wolves at night. It's, it's just a really beautifully told story for something that is actually quite a hard hitting story. The other one that we watch is Sound of Metal, which stars Riz Ahmed and oh, so good. Basically, is a drummer in a metal band, and he loses his hearing, and it's his journey and process of coming to terms with his loss of hearing but the soundscape behind the film is incredible because you go from being able to hear everything to only getting the bits that um, he's getting as his hearing is deteriorating it's really hard hitting an amazing film you know when films just stay with you for a long time and you just keep they just keep on coming back to you in different ways Sound of Metal is one of them. 
And my final one that we just watched at the weekend is Nomadland with Frances McDormand. McDormand. Um, that was really good. And I loved that most of the cast were actually the people that actually live the nomadic lifestyle um, throughout the States. So they don't have any one residence. Most of them are in trailers or caravans. And they move around with the seasons, um, finding work, but they've chosen to opt out and live a different lifestyle and it was really good and Frances McDormand is just incredible and also female director and she won that one best film so yay for women coming through in uh, in like Hollywood and the film studios but yeah all three of those Wolf Walkers, Sound of Metal and Nomadland I definitely recommend. They might not all be your cup of tea, but we really loved all three of them. I know, it's not a film podcast, but that's what I've been loving. A little bit of chill time with some films. So, I think I have got plenty to crack on with before next month. Um, So, I'm going to go. It's been very lovely to spend some time with you. Um, I will be about on Instagram a little bit in Mighty Networks. I'll be back. Next podcast is on the 4th of June. Yep, 4th of June. <laughs> Which I'm very, very excited about because my dad is coming down. Yay! Um, yeah, he's coming down that weekend with my mum. I cannot wait. I've not seen my dad for 18 months. And I'm so excited. And the weekend before, our friends are coming up. So we've got two weekends of like seeing people and being able to have them in the house. We've we've really been on it with lockdown and um, yeah, the idea of being able to like see our best mates and see my dad is just very, very exciting. So I will just press publish and then hopefully they will be arriving on the 4th. Very excited. Right, lovelies, I am off. Have an amazing month. I shall see you next month. Um, I'm just looking at all of the yarn and all the things I want to make. Yeah, I will see you next month with some more finished objects. See you soon. Bye bye. Please have recorded. Please, please, please have recorded. Maybe put the bad boys away a little bit.